Part twelve of Herein is Love by Rule Howe. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bill Mosley. Herein is Love A Study of the Biblical Doctrine of Love in Its Bearing on Personality, Parenthood, Teaching, and All Other Human Relationships by rule l howe part twelve various concepts of ministry every congregation and every member of a congregation needs to ask what image of the church governs its life because our images can be idols that keep the church from being the instrument of god's action and because that image can keep us from being persons in whom the Spirit of God can be incarnate. Such an examination calls for that sort of rethinking of our conception of the ministry that the Reverend Mr. Gates called for in our first chapter. The conception of the ministry held by both ministers and laymen will naturally reflect their conception or image of the church here both the ordained member and the lay member are caught in the grip of stereotypes that threaten to stifle the vitality of the church's ministry especially is this true in a time like our own when the social order is undergoing radical changes all too often lay people assume that the problems of the ministry and of the church belong to the clergy alone many conscientious ministers today erroneously assuming this responsibility are confused as to what their role is the problem of ministerial roles belongs to the whole church it is not easy in this time of transition for ministers to be sure of what is expected of them they sense or see clearly that the old images and patterns of the minister of the gospel do not fit the present time and therefore are not safe ones to follow nor do the unsettled conditions of our civilization give very clear-cut clues for the formation of new and relevant concepts of the ministry consequently many ministers including far too many young ones seek refuge in different stereotypes which fail to serve the church and only provide them with the means of evading the real challenges of their task what then are some of these stereotypes first some ministers settle for a stereotype of the priesthood they seek to recapture and transplant in our age an earlier and relevant priestly vitality that succeeds today only in assembling the dry bones or external forms of that role or they may succumb to the preacher's stereotype under the influence of that image they think of the preacher as a performer a sermon as a performance, and the congregation as an audience. That image is partly a product of the monological understanding of communication, and partly a result of the human need to justify oneself by an oversimplified function. The proclamation of the Holy Word as mere content and without dialogical intent is not true preaching of the gospel. Holy words were never meant to be used to justify ministerial function. The Word of God justifies us, 
but our words about the word of god do not justify us furthermore the living word did not enter the world imperialistically and that word should not be preached presumptively now but with the expectation of having to engage the world responsibly still other ministers try to find a contemporary concept of ministry by modeling themselves after one of the respected patterns of our society the business executive the physician or the group therapist but as controlling images of the church's ministry these are not comprehensive and they too tend to become constricting stereotypes then there is the stereotype of the local church which is still thought of as a parish in a nineteenth-century neighborhood sense in most places the parish community is no longer the center of people's common life the neighborhood in which the church is located is an area to which people come home from their varied activities in order to sleep and for an increasing number of men whose work keeps them on the road even sleeping at home occurs only on occasional weekends these and other stereotypes stifle the full power of the ministry and keep it from being equal to today's task too many ministers in consequence feel alone and separated from their people and are bewildered by the complexity of their work and the ambiguous results of their efforts lay people on the other hand receive little help in overcoming their stereotypes of the ministry and gravitate to a concept of the church that is hard to distinguish from a middle-class country club or a social service center another complicating influence is the current emphasis on the lay ministry the general stress on the priesthood of all believers had made both clergy and laity less sure about the role of the clergy even to the point figuratively speaking of seeming to unordain the ordained and without clearly defining the ministry of the lay member is there an answer to these confusions and ambiguities what can clergy and laity now do to find their present and new role in the life of the church and world there is an answer to these questions which if followed will open the ministry of the whole church to the renewing vitality of the holy spirit first the role of the clergy and the concepts of it are the responsibility of the whole church but the clergy are more conscious of the problems of the church and of the ministry and they should therefore share them with the laity ministers make the mistake of keeping their problems which are really the problems of the church to themselves instead of making sure that the rest of the church members are aware of and assuming responsibility for them second if the clergy are to share these concerns with the laity they must break through the stereotypes held by both groups as described earlier there is evidence that both ministers and laity are suffering restraints as a result of their false images of each other the question is do the clergy dare to reveal themselves as spiritual leaders who do not always know the answers and who themselves need desperately to be a part of the church that is a supportive and accepting fellowship when asked why they do not discuss problems of the church within the church ministers often reply 
what would my people think of me i am supposed to be the answer man the truth is that many laymen welcome being released from false images of the clergy third ministers therefore need to be dialogists rather than monologists this might turn out to be the appropriate concept of their role for this day as representatives of the gospel which was born of the full meeting and full interchange between god and man in christ the minister must learn to engage in dialogue with his people and to participate in that dialogue with god which goes on in their living the great questions of the church and the ministry are not going to be solved by the ordained ministers alone but by the clergy and the laity accepting communication with each other as a part of their common ministry and together bringing the gospel into dialogue with the world it is imperative that ministers and people talk to each other deeply not about the housekeeping of the church but about the church and its message about its place in and relation to the world and about its ministry including the respective roles of clergy and laity this kind of persistent continuing talk is imperative for two reasons first it brings out and correlates the truth that is in man about these matters and second the holy spirit reveals the truth of christ to and through men who give themselves to each other in earnest search for the truth the church and the world in dialogue we may conclude therefore that the problems of the ordained ministry in the world today are the problems of the church members of the church including the clergy must take the risks of communication which are the risks of creativity and talk with one another about their concerns we must do this with the expectation that god will speak and act through our dialogue together so that it will become our dialogue with him out of this will come new insights and concepts for our respective roles with a new awareness of our task for christ and the world it would seem then that our most effective starting point for a new and relevant image of ourselves for our task today is that of men who are in dialogue with god through their dialogue with their people the spirit of this dialogue however must be the spirit of christ the form of the ministry needs to be rethought in each age but it must be formed by a double focus on christ's ministry and the need of the world today some of this dialogue of course has already been going on and out of it certain insights have already appeared about the relation of the clergy and the laity in the gathered church with the focus on the worship pastoral educational and organizational life the ordained member is the chief minister and the lay members are his assistants this does not mean that the lay people are working for the pastor and that their loyalty is to him instead it means that both are working together for christ and their loyalty is to him within that relationship the congregation has called a member 
usually trained and ordained to direct it in performing the church's functions the minister is entrusted for example with the educational work of the church some of his educational responsibility is delegated to the organization known as the church school a few laymen are selected and professionally trained to be directors of christian education others from the congregation are trained to be the teachers but as such they are serving as assistants to the one who is officially responsible for that activity likewise when laymen are used in church visitation they do so as assistants to the minister to whom this official responsibility is delegated on the other hand in the work of the dispersed church which is active in and serving the world the chief minister is the layman who in the home or in the office on the street or in the shop in the school or in the university or wherever the work of the world is going on is the church in that situation and must be the minister of christ there the ordained man in this aspect of the church's work is the assistant or resource person this concept of the complementary relationship between the ordained and the unordained should inform the church's gathered life the sermon the preparation for church membership all adult education programs and the general ministry of the church need to be conditioned by the thought that the purpose of the official teachers and preachers and administrators of the church's program is to prepare and guide the people of god in the performance of their work in the world as representatives of christ there resources need to be created in the church's program whereby people can come back from their ministry in the world be helped to understand what has happened and by reflection upon it learn how more effectively to be the church in the world for this reason seminars for parents need to be held in order that they may receive assistance in understanding their role as ministers of the church in the home seminars for businessmen and professional people also are indicated for the same reason a point of focus for all church membership courses should be the question when you become a member of the church how are you going to exercise your ministry in the world this orientation could be the source of a new evangelism that would make its witness heard in the depth and detail of human life the reunion of the church we turn now to consider some of the implications of what we have been thinking for the reunion of the church if the church is the instrument of god's action in the world and its members are supposed to be the incarnations of his spirit by means of which he accomplishes his purpose the condition as well as the concept of the church is important one of the tragedies of christendom is the fact that the body of christ is so divided and its parts live in such competitive relationship that the purposes of god are obscured and blocked movements toward reunion have borne fruit with the result that some denominations have resolved their differences and reunited but much more progress needs to be made 
if the church is to be equal to the demands that modern life is making on it for spiritual leadership. In each denomination there are clergymen and laymen who have erroneous concepts and understandings and expectations of the other denominations. I direct a training center which is attended by clergy and laymen from many denominations. These people often are surprised to discover, as a result of their studying together the church's nature and purpose, how much they have in common. They discover that doctrinal differences are not as great as they had thought, that there are no denominational differences built into human nature or into human problems, and that they have many resources in common, namely the God-given and redeemed resources of human relationships, the scriptures, prayer, preaching, pastoral care, and teaching. Many of them have been heard to say, I am glad to have had it revealed to me that in some ways our differences are more apparent than real. This kind of insight, however, is not possible unless a situation is created in which representatives of different denominations can begin to trust each other and to think and communicate below the level of their differences. It is possible to do this, however, and more of it should be done. There is no reason why the local congregation should not invite neighboring congregations to come together with it for a study program for the purpose of finding their common brotherhood in Christ and their common responsibility for the community in which they live. A divided church does not make a good organ for the communication of love. We come now to the distinctive contribution of our discussion thus far in this matter of the unity of the church. The work of reunion, of course, is the work of the Holy Spirit. But our response to him in approaching reunion should be centered in a study of his purposes for the church now and in the future rather than on a reconciliation of the differences that occurred in the past it is exceedingly difficult to undo the mistakes of the past and to change the rigid images and patterns that have been forged by the misunderstandings of our predecessors Merely trying to adjust them to each other will not do. It is something else, again, to be willing to change these by giving ourselves to a responsible consideration of what God wants His church to be and to do now, and thus attempt the reunion in response to present and future values. The images that Presbyterians and Methodists and Episcopalians and Baptists and Lutherans now have of themselves might be changed thus making possible changes in their images of one another and this would certainly open the way to deeper levels of communication instead of this we have members of different denominations thinking rather rigidly about themselves and others our identities and responsibilities are accepted in terms of differences that were laid down in the past and may be held independently of what God may be wanting his church to do in this moment. The church is not the kingdom of God. It is not the end of God's action. It is a means to an end, and as circumstances of human life change, 
it is not inconceivable that god would like to have us make changes in that instrument for man's salvation which he created proposals for the reunion of the churches often arouse the fear that our respective denominations to which we are devoted will be replaced by what some conceive of as a super church such an arbitrary replacement of church organization is not the objective of the unity movement instead we should respond to the spirits prompting to keep our denominational loyalties subject to our loyalty to him in order that we may be open to whatever form of church life and action the spirit may indicate for our generation we are concerned about the church as the body of christ in our time as his body we must find our unity in him but this may mean that we shall have to abandon some things that have seemed good some words of our lord are hard to bear Quote, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me Quote. matthew ten thirty seven these words of our lord are equally applicable to all other relationships including our denominational ones it does not follow however that our denominational devotion is of itself disloyal to christ any more than our devotion to our loved ones is disloyal we do need however to make sure that we love and serve him and not something or someone else our concepts of ourselves and of others may need to be changed the changing of these images of ourselves and of others is not a responsibility that belongs only to our top-level church leaders every christian in every church in every part of the world must share it because each person has a specific responsibility for his relationship with his christian brothers by whatever name they may call themselves the parent who seeks to exercise his ministry in his relationship with his child needs also to be open to his responsibility as a member of some historic branch of the christian church for the welfare of that church and the relationship of its separate parts we cannot accept what we have inherited in the form in which we inherited it our inheritance in many ways is precious and wonderful but our human response can deform it our church can be a means of fulfilling our discipleship but it can also be an obstacle to it therefore our membership and participation in a denomination needs to be kept under the constant judgment of god in order that we as members may serve him more loyally we are christ's brought into this relationship by his love and we can grow in this relationship only as we are guided by his spirit everything else is secondary to this but all other relationships if offered to him and illumined and corrected by his spirit can be wonderful also because then they too become a part of his means of reuniting by his love men with one another and with him quote in this is love not that we loved god but that he loved us and sent his son we love because he first loved us first john four ten 
and 19. End of Part 12 Recording by Bill Mosley, Llano County, Texas, USA End of Herein is Love by Rule Howe